Afro Tales Podcast is a part of the Connected Podcast Network. Well, hello there. I'm Amon Mazingo, your storyteller, and this is season two of the Afro Tales Podcast, where we journey through the Americas and the Caribbean to explore the tales that grew from its African diaspora. I want to thank Art by Chalet for the beautiful episode art, and especially thank you for joining us on today's adventure. Chef, Chef, yes, Glio. Don't you love how we get to share our stories and recipes? Yes, I enjoy it greatly. Do you know what makes it possible for everyone to hear us? Yes, Glio. Our voices, obviously. True, but it's also Anchor, a hosting platform that distributes the podcast to places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and others. Oh, yes. And isn't everything needed to make a podcast in one place? That's correct. And the best thing of all, Chef, it's free. Free, you say? Free. And all I had to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, you just had to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yep. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and do what we're doing now. Fantastic, video. Simply fantastic. I know, Chef. I know. The new house made. One day, two very beautiful witches took up residence in the village. It would perhaps be more correct to say everyone woke up one morning to find them there, lock, stock, and barrel. House, fowl, coop, pig, sty, goat, pen, and rabbit hutch. That same morning, the village was invaded by a score of pigeons which, it turned out, belonged to the two witches. They went about their business for about two days, bustling about the yard and caring for the animals as if the village folk didn't even exist. Then, early in the morning on the third day, a funny-looking, loud-mouthed, barrel-chested little dwarf emerged from the house and marched to the village square where he triumphantly announced that he was recruiting a maid for the two witches. Only, he did not refer to them as witches as you may think, but as Nuba twin sisters of distinguished and upstanding families, heiresses of great fortune are looking for a maid. The first applicant of the job was Tati, Takuma's wife. Before anyone could utter a single sound of astonishment, both she and the dwarf disappeared into the big, beautiful house. She remained there for a fortnight, frequently seen in uniform, working harder than a slave. 
during that period to comma the thief her husband was on two occasions seen at the gate cursing talking to himself and shadow boxing violently on one occasion he fell on the ground and kicked viciously the second time he ran home for his cutlass and spent a good 15 minutes chopping at air around the gate suddenly the cutlass was flung out of his hand and he fell to the ground. He lay there for a while and then gingerly got to his feet. He spent a short period examining himself as if he had broken bones. Then he sped off, ran all the way home and locked himself inside. At the end of the first fortnight, Tati burst from the witch's house crying and ran home only to be given a sound thrashing and ordered back to collect her pay. When she re-entered the witch's house, she stayed there another fortnight, at the end of which she left again bawling loudly. All of the village gossips converged onto Kuma's place to try and unravel these mysterious goings-on for the benefit of all and sundry. They crowded into the yard, shouting loudly for Tukama and Tati. No one emerged from the house until a short, elderly lady with a walking stick, to whom everyone referred to as Aunt Mina, strolled through the gate and up to the house where, without asking any questions, she pulled aside the flap and went inside. Only a senior relative could do that. Nevertheless, a murmur ran through the crowd. She remained inside for about half an hour before reemerging. A hush fell over the crowd, which had since grown quite big and noisy. She stopped at the doorway, arms akimbo. She glared at the crowd and shouted, What do you want to know? Someone yelled to Kuma. The rest yelled for Tati. Shouted someone. We want to know about the new house. Shouted someone else. What about the new house? What happened The last person shouted. She went silent for a while. Nothing happened. She shouted back. People start crying for nothing. Shouted back. It was just a misunderstanding. She said slowly before the crowd could reply. Tati burst through suddenly from inside of the house and shouted, They don't want to pay me because I don't know their name. She answered. Everyone started to speak at once. Suddenly, they were interrupted by Kookaburra's ruckus laughter. He hopped through the gate and announced that Blossom, Tiger's Blossom, had just been recruited by the dwarf from Newhouse. You could hear a pin Nobody moved except for Tati, who kept jumping and shouting, but she was largely ignored by the gathering, who had slowly begun to trickle out one by one. Soon they were all gone leaving the two astonished women behind. Well, 
Another fortnight came and went, but no blossom emerged from the witch's house until another full two weeks had passed. Then she was evicted. I mean, literally flung through the gate by the broad-chested dwarf. She ranted and raved in front of the gate for a long time, but seemed incapable of re-entering. A large crowd gathered and soon the whole village knew what the two witches had been up to. You see, they had been tricking people to work for them without pay by promising to leave them all of their wealth if and only if they could discover both their names. Which does not seem to be difficult, except no one had ever heard their names. And they never called each other by their names. Now, there were quite a few brave hearts in the village, and they were all tempted by the offer of great wealth. In a few months, most of the women had already done a stint or two in the new house. Suffice it to say, no one had been able to guess the two witches' name, therefore no one had been paid. One day, after sitting by Brud Turtle's shop for a long time drinking soup and discussing the main topic of interest, Brud Nazi came home and confronted his wife, Eve, with an idea. She remained silent for a long time then she answered him, Brother Nancy, my hero, whatever you say I will do. Brother Nancy replied, Thank you, darling. I knew I could count on you. Monday morning, bright and early, Ife gone to work at Newhouse. It didn't seem odd, however, since Everyone knew that Brother Nancy was a wizard of some sort. And since everyone else was trying for the witch's loot, he was also expected to do the same. The one odd thing about Ife, however, was the fact that she was pushing a prom. Her youngest child had already left for school. Since Brother Nancy himself was nowhere to be found, there was no one to ask what was going on. She was halfway across the yard before she was intercepted by the dwarf who cheerfully led her toward the rear of the large, beautiful building where they met a creature who hardly seemed human. She was so tall, delicate, and charming that she seemed to radiate. The story of not having anyone to take care of the baby was readily accepted by her and she pointed them toward the house. At the back door, they were stopped by a big, brawny, amazingly beautiful woman holding a huge black tomcat. First, she blocked their path, then she invited them in. She was given the same excuse as the first one, but her reaction was different. She immediately took charge of the prank, informing Ife the baby would hinder her work. She left the pram, however, on the back veranda so that Ife would keep an eye on her infant. Soon the baby started to cry, and cry he did all day, late into the night, the wee hours of the morning following. 
He kept on crying for a whole week. During the second week, he started crying less. But Ife would sneak up to the pram and give him a little flesh-tearing pinch and made him howl for a period and help her to pretend to be busy. Come Friday morning of the second week, Ife arose very early and placed the pram beneath the witch's bedroom. Soon he started to make a racket while she pretended to be busy in the hen house. After a while, a window opened and the burly witch leaned out. What is it, Melo, Melo? A voice asked. Nothing, Miss Nosofema, she replied. Just that ugly baby. But unknown to them, the baby's cries were now shouts of joy. For that baby was none other than Bruh Nancy himself. When evening came and Ife was summoned before them, the witches were sure they had one. She looked at them and quietly said, The fat one name is Miss Mellow Mellow. The Margar one name is Miss Nosofima. In a flash, the two witches and everything they owned vanished, leaving Ife alone with her prey. She turned and headed for home as the baby was heard chuckling deeply. The end. I must say, when I read an Anansi story or a Brother Rabbit story, I love it. I get excited by them. Um, they are wonderful tales to me. The little guy coming out on top. Um, sometimes they put themselves in situations and they manage to get out. Uh, but this one in particular is very interesting to me. Uh, I think it is a more of a sociological, more of a political uh, story more than anything else. Um, the you know the real moral of the story you know is political and seeing that this story comes from jamaica and the time frame in which it probably would have come from i'm haven't done any research or contacted the writer to find this out um i'm just taking a stab with jamaica being overran and dominated by different you know, nations at different times. The two witches. <laughs> For me, uh, a person that loves things about piracy and things like that, I see Spain and England in this, you know? Um, for some reason, uh, Miss Mellow Mellow, uh, the fat one, uh, the uh, brawny one, is England and the slimmer one, the uh, Maga one, the skinny one is Spain in this to me. And this is what this is just what I'm seeing. And Anansi are the Jamaicans, the native people of Jamaica. And 
they come up with a plan to expel these people off their lands. I mean, at least try their best, right? Once they figure out who it is that is causing the mischief. Getting work from their people without paying them, enslaving them. We know that that's what happened in Jamaica. We know that Jamaica, Jamaicans, I'm sorry, were enslaved by the by English, by the Spanish. So this just seems like a political story. It seems like a um, organic story in that sense. Uh, the moral of it is don't don't enslave people. You know, don't don't treat people like this. But there are plenty of nations, plenty of uh, people that are still in the commonwealth or a territory of a larger nation and they can't get out of it you know they're working at it but they still are suffering from hundreds of years of oppression and this story to me is definitely sorry about that definitely about oppression um i love it i love anansi i love bro rabbit and i love the messages that they give in their stories you may not see it but they're there they're always there um and i just love it you know <laughs> Uh, that's all I have for this. That's all I, that's just really what I took from it. And I have nothing else to give you guys. Um, please stay after all of this for the Afro Tales recipe of the week. It goes with last week's, uh, Aki and Saltfish is, it's, it's great. I really want to try all of this. So, um, these recipes I find and I am preparing to cook a lot of them myself so i will be able to get back with you on some of these recipes some of them i just don't have access to right now to be able to do but sit back relax and listen for the recipe of the week um and as always thank you for coming on this journey with me around the caribbean um you know, I don't think a lot of people think about that, that we are traveling the coastal regions of the Caribbean, of um, America, of South America. These are, this is the Atlantic slave trade stories that I tell here. And we travel these just like the ships would have, just like the pirates would have, just like the, you know, the slave ships would have. I'm, I'm going through these same the same waterways that they did and i'm finding these stories for you so please come back listen enjoy i am rambling so uh thank you thank you thank you and as always have a blessed day
This is your Afro Tales recipe of the week. Kalaloo by Michelle Blackwood RN. Ingredients. Four cups Kalaloo, chopped and tightly packed. One tablespoon olive oil or coconut oil, your choice. One small onion, chopped. Two cloves garlic, minced. Two green onions, chopped. Two sprigs thyme. One medium tomato, chopped. Salt to taste. One scotch bonnet pepper, whole. Or one quarter teaspoon cayenne pepper. Two tablespoons water. Instructions. Peel the outer membrane of each stalk of Kalaloo and remove outer old dead leaves, debris, and any hard stalks. Place Kalaloo in a bowl and cover with cold water. Add half teaspoon salt and set aside in a pot for about 10 minutes. This will help to remove debris while preparing remaining vegetables. Discard water then rinse with water and drain. Strip the outer thin layer of kalaloo stems, chop leaves and stems of kalaloo and set aside. Place oil in large pot, add onion, garlic, spring onion, thyme, tomato and scotch bonnet pepper on medium heat. Saute until onion is translucent. Add kalaloo and water Allow to simmer on low heat for 5 to 10 minutes or until tender. You may add a little water at this time, but not too much because the Kalaloo will spring its own water. Note, this is a great meal with Aki and saltfish. That is your Afrotales recipe of the week. Thank you again for your time. Thank you for supporting and sharing this podcast with your family and friends. You can always find AfroTales podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to leave me a message or a tweet, I can be found on Twitter at AfroTalesCast, on Instagram and Facebook at AfroTales Podcast, and now on Coffee at coffee.com forward slash Afro Tales Podcast, where you can financially support me for the price of one small cup of coffee. However you support, I thank you and I appreciate it always. So until next time, have a great day. Mm-hmm.